Welcome to Books and Beyond with your host, Alison. Join us for half an hour of information, entertainment, reading recommendations and beyond. Brought to you by Auckland Libraries. I know this girl and she works in a library. No, my heart and I count him. Welcome to Books and Beyond. Thanks for tuning in. This is your host, Alison, and I'm joined in the studio today by myself because today's show is a monopod and it's called Drink More Water. Now, I've chosen this uh, water as our topic today because drinking more water is one of the most common resolutions that people attempt at this time of the year, uh, presumably in an effort to undo some of the damage done by the excesses of of the holiday season, probably just speaking for myself there. But um, uh, Joanne Black recently wrote a really amusing column in The Listener about New Year's resolutions. And she says she often thinks of things throughout the year that she'll either give up or take up in the new year. But then by the time the 1st of January rolls around, she's actually forgotten what these important lifestyle changes were going to be. Uh, And how many of us can relate to that? So as for myself, um, every new year I resolve to drink more water and I always start well but then life takes over and I slip back into my old habits. So in other words, I ebb and flow a bit with my water consumption and then I feel bad about myself and I resolve to do better next year and so the sad water cycle continues. So in thinking about water I was um, and the new year, I was I recently started thinking about the word resolution. Um, resolute, resolve, solvent, solution. Uh, it all points to water, doesn't it? And because um, water is the the universal solvent, it's also the solution to many of the planet's problems as we are, are witnessing so painfully at the moment. And for many people, this uh, precious commodity, H2O, takes on almost mystical qualities. And um, I find this interesting because there's almost no mystery to its shape and structure and its physical and chemical properties. But um, human civilization has always historically flourished around water and, and waterways. So I guess it's not surprising that this life force features so strongly in literature and art and and music and myth and legend. So I've brought along a bunch of books today that feature our beloved H2O. And these are all books that I've been drinking, I mean, I've been reading over the summer break. So look, let's get started with the first one. Now, I always like to read a crime thriller mystery type novel when I'm on my summer break. And this one uh, that I've just finished, it's really good. It's called The Girl in the Water by A.J. Grayson. And um, it's only been published fairly recently. It's a a psychological thriller uh, set just north of San Francisco in a, a fairly small urban community. Now, the main human characters are a young professional couple who appear to have the perfect life. Now, he's a pharmacist and she works in a small independent bookstore and they have a lovely dog and um, their life um, 
which is near a river, um, actually seems quite idyllic. What what more can she want? But un- unfortunately, she's experiencing some health problems to do with headaches and memory loss. And um, she, but she's been advised by her doctors to keep her stress levels down and basically try not to dwell on negative events. I suppose it's fairly standard advice. But um, I'm not sure if she's advised to drink more water, but I think she should probably try that. Whether or not it would help, who knows. So everything is going along reasonably well until one day the body of a young woman is found in the stretch of river just near where the couple live. And all of a sudden, everything changes. So the woman, whose name is Amber, finds that her life starts to implode. Um, Everything she's ever believed in now becomes a giant question. She starts to distrust everyone around her and things don't seem to make sense anymore. Um, Has she taken the news of the body in the water too much to heart? Um, Is her own life in danger? Uh, And she, she starts to believe that it is and of course no one around her thinks that her life is in danger um, so now this story invo- um, unfolds at a quite a, a cracking pace it's hard to put, put this one down um, lots of twists and turns and a few red herrings uh, to go with the water theme of course but I mean sure it's it's formulaic fiction but it's very well done and I'd recommend it for those readers who love a good crime thriller Uh, it's great as a beach read you'll get through it pretty quickly though so it might pay to have another book on hand just so that you don't run out of reading material which is I must admit that's one of my great fears in life now, um, speaking of, of fear, um, now my uh, the next book that I'm going to have a look at, um, it's also a, a psychological thriller, and it's called Into the Water by Paula Hawkins. Now, this is the follow-up novel to her hugely successful book and then film um, that was called The Girl on the Train. Um, now, Into the Water is set in the north of England uh, in a small town called Beckford. It has a river running through it, like many of those small towns do. Um, and there's an area of the river where women have drowned themselves or have been drowned for centuries. And this area is known by the locals as the Drowning Pool. This is a really creepy book, actually. Um, It opens with the discovery of another young woman in the drowning pool. Um, And this death is assumed by the police to be self-inflicted. But some of the local residents think otherwise. And one of the characters says, and I thought this was quite telling, Beckford is not a suicide spot. Beckford is a place to get rid of troublesome women. So troublesome women, eh? And uh, so this, the troubles continue for this town and and its women, unfortunately. Now, there are a huge number of characters um, in the book and there's actually 11 different narrators. I, I counted them last night. So it's, it's all a little bit hard to keep track of at times. Half the narrators, too, are unreliable um, and so that really keeps you on your toes as a, as a reader. 
there's quite a supernatural element to the story, uh, probably helped along by one of the characters who's also the town psychic. Every town needs one of those. And now the river is almost like a character in the story because it has so many different moods and, and tempers. I suppose that's the beauty of water. The book, um, it's eerie, eerie, I should say, and scary, but... Um, yeah, it is. It's a bit frightening. You may not want to read it alone on a dark night. Now, I don't think it has been as successful as her first novel, perhaps because it's a bit harder to relate to. I'm not I'm not sure about that. Maybe it's because there's too many characters. Who knows? But Or maybe it's just too unpalatable for, for many readers. But certainly worth a read if you're feeling brave. Now, have you been watching the TV miniseries that's on free-to-air television at the moment? And it's called Deep Water. Um, Now, people are calling this series, Deep Water, Britain's answer to um, the American Big Little Lies, which has been just such a super smash hit. Um, This uh, Deep Water, it's really worth a look. It's a domestic drama set in the Lake District of England and the scenery is absolutely gorgeous and Lake Windermere plays a very strong role in in the narrative. So the, the story actually begins with someone being pushed overboard from a very nice boat on the lake uh, or did they fall? But if this person survives. But... Um, then that sort of sets the scene, that slightly sinister scene. Soon after this, um, at a very sort of middle-class gathering of married couples, uh, two people, um, a man and a a woman who are are not married to each other, have a a drunken encounter um, that actually leads to a a string of disasters. And um, sadly, and... Although perhaps unsurprisingly, the woman gets all of the shame and the blame over this unfortunate liaison, and the the man um, seems to get get away with it. He he has a lot of privilege though in in this particular community, and this oh really grated on me. But um, it's not something that the author's done at all. I think um, she's um, reflecting on our society and our our lingering um, puritanical attitudes and if Karen was here today I'm sure we'd have a really good discussion about this sort of hypocrisy that you still see very much around us but anyway the the woman um, finds herself into deep over her head and out of her depth um, as she struggles to regain control of her life. It's all a bit of a soap opera, but I tell you what, I'm hooked on this one. Uh, So this um, particular TV series, it's based on the writing of the British author Paula Daly, who, um, another Paula, um, they seem to write good crime novels. Um, And in particular, uh, the book that um, lends itself to the series is called uh, the, the Mistake I Made and Lake Windermere which I think is the largest lake in Britain it provides quite a moody and eerie backdrop to the story and that lake district in Britain is, is quite spectacular 
it's always, um, well, for generations, it's provided inspiration to artists and, and writers, um, including two of my favourite children's authors, Beatrix Potter and Arthur Ransom. Loved those ones. And um, then, of course, the romantic poets, uh, Wordsworth and Coleridge, and many more, of course. But anyway, getting back to the the book, um, if you enjoyed Big Little Lies by Leanne Moriarty. You'll you'll really like this. It, it's a great holiday read. Uh, so now next, I want to talk um, about the book Water for Elephants by Sarah Gruen, um, and this is another book that was made into a very successful movie. And this uh, this story begins in 1932, America, um, and a young man called Jacob is nearly finished his veterinary medicine degree in New York when um, both of his parents die in an accident. Um, so in in absolute despair, he walks out of his final exams and he jumps on a train illegally. Uh, now, I think they call this train hopping or freight hopping. Um, highly dangerous and um, do not try this at home. I don't want to influence people's behaviour, so don't do it. But um, the train that he jumps onto turns out to be a circus train and since it's the depression years, if someone with a vet skills can attach himself to a circus, they find themselves very lucky indeed. And uh, so Jacob uh, gets involved with the circus. He soon finds himself involved with the animal acts and um, specifically um, involved with the beautiful young Marlena, who's the horse rider, and her husband. Um, So Jacob falls for Marlena immediately and so you get this inevitable romantic triangle and it's basically the center of the novel and the novel follows the circus across america so you see a lot of the ins and outs of the circus life and um the uh the treacherous um person called al who who runs the the whole um operation you know he's cheating the workers and he's dealing roughly with the the customers who complain about the blatant false advertising and rip-off exhibits. Um, So it starts off as a a, fairly innocent love triangle, uh, but soon gets very complicated and dramatic and even life-threatening. So um, it's it's a bit old-fashioned, but quite endearing, and it's a really fast-paced, enjoyable story, and it's actually narrated by the... Jacob when he's an old man now in his 90s in a nursing home so I really enjoyed this this one um even though I you know I thought it wasn't going to be my cup of tea at first but it's one of those books that hooks you in the first couple of pages and then then you find you can't put it down you might be wondering about the significance of the word water in the title Water for Elephants but I'm going to leave that one for you to discover because I don't want to have to give you a spoiler alert on that okay so look let's travel to New Zealand uh, and this is the book that I'm reading at the moment it's called Beneath Pale Water and it's by a young writer called Thalia Henry And she set this novel in the Otago High Country, which is such a beautiful part of the world. And um, the the novel follows three 
people, um, Delia, Jane and Luke, and they're all quite damaged individuals. Um, they're all searching for a sense of identity and belonging. And the Otago Lakes, the the landscape, and you know those shifting weather patterns that you see down there in the high country, they they form a, a huge part of the story. And uh, as a reader, you really see how the physical landscape influences the moods of the characters. It's quite dreamlike, uh, this novel, and I can really see the influence of Janet Frame in, in Thalia's writing. Um, now, this is her debut novel, and it's been really well received by the critics. Now, it won a, uh, the Independent Publisher Book Award for Best Regional Fiction, Australia, New Zealand, in 2018. Um, and I gather that she's working on her next novel at the moment, which is going to be set um, at Bethel's Beach, and I really can't wait for that one. So... You know, they do say that New Zealand writing is in a very healthy place and um, this novel is certainly an example of that, so highly recommended. Okay, so I've got to laugh at this one. Um, I wish Karen was here. Now, a Books and Beyond podcast would never be complete if I didn't find an opportunity to mention my favourite, DFW, David Foster Wallace. In fact, um, I've just thought of another New Year's resolution. I'm going to try and mention DFW as many times as possible um, on Books and Beyond. So let's see how we go. So now this one, um, it's called This is Water. Some thoughts delivered on a significant occasion about living a compassionate life by David Foster Wallace. You know, I'm not 100% sure that he lived it completely compassionate life but I'm, I might be judging him too harshly on that so um, it's this is a, it's a small book well it's 137 pages of life lessons but it was actually his um, commencement speech that he delivered to a group of graduates at an American university in 2005 and it's full of DFW's wisdom and it's basically his guide to life but the, one of well, the whole thing's really interesting, but I found this paragraph um, quite interesting, and t- I think it tells us a lot about DFW, or in his mind, really. So he said, um, 20 years after my own graduation, I have come gradually to understand that the liberal arts cliche about teaching you how to think is actually shorthand for a much deeper, more serious idea. Learning how to think really means learning how to exercise some control over how and what you think. It means being conscious and aware enough to choose what you pay attention to and to choose how you construct meaning from experience. Because if you cannot exercise this kind of choice in adult life, you'll be totally hosed. Think of the old cliché about the mind being an excellent servant but a terrible master. So, yeah, interesting. I'm really glad that I discovered this one, this uh, manifesto of of DFW. So now what I want to tell you about next is uh, a treasure that I've unearthed from the basement. Ooh. 
and uh, oh, I had fun looking at this one. This is uh, called The Wild Sargasso Sea, and it's by Jean Reese. Um, now, really interesting. I'm so glad I've, it's been one I've been meaning to read for a long time, but I'm glad I have read it. It's um, been always been widely viewed as um, a prequel to Charlotte Bronte's novel Jane Eyre. And um, it's also been called a, a feminist and anti-colonial response to Jane Eyre. It's set in the West Indies just after the abolition of slavery. So that was in the early 18... Or about 1830, I, I think. Um, now, it tells of, of the character um, Antoinette Mason. So it tells about her life before and just after her marriage to Mr. Rochester. It's a really interesting extension to the Jane Eyre story. Um, I'm glad it was written. Um, I think she was quite ambitious to do this. But the writer really knew what she was talking about. She grew up on the island of Dominica in the West Indies and her mother was Creole and her father was Welsh. So she was understandably very sympathetic to the indigenous people of the islands um, who'd been controlled for so long by their um, colonial masters through slavery and then um, through economic slavery once the human slavery had been abolished. Now, um, the mysterious Sargasso Sea functions as a character in this book as well. Do you know, it's part of the that infamous and terrifying Bermuda Triangle where numerous um, vessels, aircraft and ships have vanished over the years. Um, the, the Bermuda Triangle is something that's always terrified me, particularly as a kid. So I actually try not to read too much about it. But um, so the the Sargasso Sea, which is is part of the Bermuda Triangle, it's full of um, a really unusual matted seaweed called sargassum. So I've learned something this week. Now this is all very creepy and eerie, and um, the sea adds quite a paranormal aspect to the story um, and you know it made me think about the whole mysterious disappearances that you know that you see in this um, this area of the world so I mean I don't know if there's a, a practical um, reason for them maybe it's the the seaweed the um, this unusual seaweed that sort of strangles the vessels, or maybe it's the the currents, because I gather that they're they're very strong. Who knows? Actually, I don't want to think about it too much. Um, but this one, um, uh, so the wild sargasso sea, it's one that I'm very glad I, that I've read. Um, now, two film versions have been made of the book, but neither of them made much of a, a splash at the box office. So, look, I'm going to head over the ocean now to Japan and to uh, the shimmering postmodern masterpiece uh, called Death by Water. And it's by the the great author uh, Kanzaburo Oi. And now this book, Death by Water, it made the long list for the Man Booker Prize in 2016. 
Now, it's a very much an autobiographical novel uh, about a, a Nobel Prize-winning author who's suffering from terrible writer's block. He's trying to write a novel about his father, but he's consumed by guilt about their relationship in general and also guilt um, for the fact that he was away the night that his father drowned in a a swollen river on a, a very stormy night. Now, there are references to T.S. Eliot's Death by Water section from his um, 1922 poem, The Wasteland, in which Eliot describes a man who dies by drowning. And, oh, I love this part of the poem. A current under the sea picked his bones in whispers. As he rose and fell, he passed the stages of his age and youth, entering the whirlpool. Wow, that's pretty powerful, isn't it? Now, this book, um, Death by Water, it's quite a slow read, but it's very layered and and nuanced. It's um, hugely satisfying. And this one, it's a real literary feast. So now I just want to, um, we'll sail back to New Zealand and I want to just take us to an older book um, written in or published in 1984, by C.K. Stead, and it's called All Visitors Ashore. Uh, Now, it's um, set in the 1950s um, in Takapuna in Auckland. The narrator of the novel um, had once watched the the white ship sail past Rangitoto Island, and uh, he dreamed of a future beyond New Zealand. But now he's uh, really only wanting to recapture the past. So the the narrator and two of his friends are part of a bohemian community who are enjoying the exploration and euphoria of their youth while uh, witnessing most of their friends who are heading off to Europe. And meanwhile, the New Zealand government are getting tough with the unions here. This is the 1950s. And the New Zealand society is still very racist and and repressed. But um, these people were, were dreaming. Um, their, their dream, um, even though the dream of some was to go to Europe, their dream was here on the Takapuna shoreline of Auckland. Um, we had an artist called Melio Fabro. He's growing vegetables. Um, his garden hut, he's hosting um, a Zen Buddhist called Cecilia Skyways. I wonder if she's meant to be a Janet Frame character um and then there's a brilliant young novelist also there who's dreaming about god and fame nirvana great love etc um and uh, even they've been through the the harbour front the waterfront strike of 1951 but they haven't lost that idealism and and they're convinced that life is actually about poetry painting and and potential but i i think it's also about the takapuna uh, waterfront as well. I really loved this book. Um, it r- reminded me tremendously of the the end of the golden weather. It also had that dreamy quality about it. Um, elements of, of Frank Sargeson as well. So that that's a good one to add to your list. Now, my last book um, has created a huge splash in the literary world. Now, I'm afraid I haven't read it yet. It, it is, it's quite new, and it's on my TBR list. And it's called The Water Dancer by Tanahasi Coates. It's had 
absolutely rave reviews and people just can't speak highly enough of this writer. Um, he's said to be, yeah, one of the best writers of this century. He's always been a really ambitious and intellectual non-fiction writer and The Water Dancer is his first work of fiction. And um, the book's main character is a young man who's born into slavery on a plantation in the southern states of America. And he manages to leave this cruel backdrop and travels to the north. Um, but this is where it gets interesting because he travels across an alternate countryside. So there's a blend of magic realism and the reality of the historical atrocity. And people are saying that the water dancer um, is is an absolute masterpiece. So I know I just can't wait to read it. I'm hoping that I can get my hands on it pretty quickly. Well, um, just about now, I think I need a drink of water. So my resolutions for this year are to consume more H2O and keep working on my TBR list, my to-be-read list. So what are yours? Um, just a re- uh, reminder that the books listed uh, in today's show uh, will be on the, our blog, which you can access via the Auckland Library's website and also via the Planet FM website. Um, so, until next time, happy reading. Haere rā, ka kite ano. by Auckland Libraries. Find us online at aucklandlibraries.govt.nz and catch the program next Sunday at 9.35pm on 104.6 FM or anytime online at planetaudio.org.nz slash books and beyond. Every day, every day, every day.